This is the sound of dry bones and 
6 o'clock. I'm 6 o'clock, right, Brother Stephen? 6 o'clock, Youth Sunday. It's been, del- it's been delayed some this month because of the, the, the amount of business things that we've had to take care of. But it is back on tonight. And so make sure to be there. Just because it says youth service does not mean that it's just for the youth. Invite your friends. Invite everyone. Invite your old grandpa. I don't care. Just invite them. That's, I mean, they can only say no, right? I hate that. I hate that. People are like, they can only say no. Well, they could do a lot more worse than that. I promise you. <laughs> then the 23rd is Tanner and Kylie's wedding shower. That's going to be at the Family Life Center at 6.30 p.m. I love both of them a lot. The 25th is a crew cookout at the Family Life Center, 5 p.m. Sign up for that in the foyer. So it's a crew cookout. You can, uh, like I said, the sign-up sheet will be out in the foyer for that. And then the 26th is our monthly mission pledge deadline. So make sure, if you haven't turned that in already, make sure to get that turned in either that day or beforehand. And then also, online registration for the Ladies' Joy Conference is open already. So women, go ahead and go get after it. And then our Mother's Memorial Pledge cards, they are due July 1st. So you've got a little bit of time, but I promise you, it'll sneak up on you if you're not careful, okay? So July 1st, get your Mother's Memorial Pledge cards due. If you would, please stand with me this morning. In Psalms 100, verses 1 and 2, it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. It says, make it. It says, make a joyful noise. It doesn't say, if you're feeling good, make a joyful noise. It doesn't say, if your circumstances match that. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Does it just say one group of people? Does it just say one person? No, it says all ye lands make a joyful noise. And let's serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. I don't need to say anything on top of that. Let's go and let's serve the Lord this morning. Amen. Saturday was silent, surely it was through. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Friday's disappointment and Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Come on, say this is the sound. This is the sound of tribals that live. And this is the praise. This is the praise that the dead man walk again. Go ahead, let's open up that grave. Open the grave. I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. Come on, some dry bones are rattling this morning, right, church?
Stevens, Lois Weems, Jonathan Crawford, Miller Gamberry, Rex Foster, Bob Bolton, Billy Bolton, Cary Grant, Brother and Sister Trinado, Brother and Sister Proctor, Nelson and Missy Miller, Chaplain Steve Gibbs, Loretta Edwards, Brother and Sister Bristow, George and Mildred Pratt. Every trial every sickness, whatever it is that comes against you in life, it's easy to look at it as a main obstacle or as a main hindrance of your life. But if you begin to look at it as another opportunity for God to move, that every list, every name on this list is not just a name to be read, but an opportunity for God to move. You begin to change the way you look at the obstacles in your life. And so what I want you to do tonight is what kind of opportunities does God have to move in my life this morning? What kind of opportunities am I presented with for God to move in my life this morning? And do I want to step out in faith and allow ministers to pray for me and allow God to move in my life this morning? And if you do, we will anoint you with oil. We will pray over you. And God is going to move. So I encourage you, if you have any need in your body, if you want to step in for any of these needs, to step out in faith. Ministers will anoint you with oil and God is going to move this morning. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your power and your ability and I pray that you begin to move on every single one of us in this place this morning. Heal everybody, touch every mind. In Jesus' name, amen.
cheeky shy on me Lift up your song Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs Get up and praise the Lord so Come on my soul Oh don't you get shy on me Lift up your song Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs Get up and praise the Lord
the King Most High, worthy of all the honor, all the praise, all the glory that we are capable of giving. the ushers come to take our tithe and offering I love the song in not even the part that I sang that's my favorite bit of that song is the worthy of it all song and it makes the declaration that it says for from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve it So it's, it's not just recognizing that Jesus is, in fact, king over all, ruler supreme. It's recognizing that, yes, from you are all things, but in that as well, to you are all things. Because it's recognition that I am nothing without God. Because all things are from Him. So, with that, to you are all things. Not just the bad. That's what we like to put on the altar a lot of times, but that's also the good. That's also just the promotion you got just at your job. God, if this isn't the promotion for me, then God, it's here on the altar for you. Because I wouldn't have even had it without you. In Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I said this last week at Jonesboro Church. It's not the extraordinary service. It's not the above and beyond. It's not... The extra mile. But it says all of us are living, our bodies, a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. It's your logical service. It's the service that is expected. And it's a lot to ask because it's our flesh. It's our entire body but it's just our reasonable service so God thank you for everything that you've given to us and we give it back here in praise in worship in tithe in offering because it is simply our reasonable service Jesus, thank you for everything you've done for us, God. Thank you for all of the blessings that you've put in each and every one of our lives, God. Thank you for the trials that you've put in our lives that have shaped us to be the creatures and the people that we need to be for your purpose, Jesus. All the glory, all the honor, and all the praise right back to you, Jesus. Jesus' name, bless this offering. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me. He goes before me.
filled with anointing. I'm filled with anointing. My cup overflowing. My cup's overflowing. Spirit. 
yourself, you're not alone. He's my comfort. He's my comfort. Always holds me close. Why don't you just give him some praise? God, we bless your name. We thank you that you never leave us behind. You'll leave the 99 just to come for us, God. You are my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. As you're seated, so great to see each one of you in this place today. At some point, there will be a finale. We have already watched people disappear from our congregation and community. So often when least expected. So be ye ready is a scripture that is so powerful and helpful. Thankfully, we have ministries that absolutely are anointed of God with clear understanding of the way, the truth, and the light. I bring to this pulpit today a man and his wife who I have watched walk through the valley of the shadow of death. They feared no evil. They were tempted, but they feared no evil. They continually rise up to bless people everywhere, their city, their church family, many other churches, and some of their roots come from Paris, Texas. It's a joy to bring Brother Mike McGuire and his good wife. I don't know what all they'll sing or what all they'll preach about, but I want them to have the liberty that you have and that is to take advantage of the moment. So would you stand and make welcome to this pulpit a great friend of mine, a man that has led so many leaders to the things of God. Brother McGuire, we are honored that you are here. We're honored to be here, Brother Meyer. Let's give your good pastor and his wife a great welcome home. That's right. My, my, I was just surprised when I got here. I didn't know Brother Meyer was going to be here. So, uh, amen. I'm still going to say what I was going to say. You may be seated. I wanted to begin my little bit of, and I'm not reciprocating simply by the overabundance of embellished compliment he just gave me. But uh, I want to just say truly from my heart, this church is blessed to have brother and sister Bob Meyer here. Over the many years, faithful, committed, dedicated. I thought uh, the other day when he called me and asked me if I could come this morning, I thought, well, you know, if I was uh, just a guy out somewhere looking for a home church, I would certainly look Paris up. Not because my roots from many years ago as a small boy were here, but simply because of the demeanor, the character, and the beautiful, wonderful spirit that they 
amen, share with each and every one they come in contact with. Have been true friends of ours over a number of years. And we treasure that friendship, them and their family. I told Brother Meyer the other day, I said, man, you guys have raised a tribe of people up there. Every time I come up here, they're having another birthday or something. And it, it got to where it's so frequent, Sister Meyer just does cupcakes. She used to do cakes. She's just, you know, she just throws in a few cupcakes. <laughs> but I enjoy looking at those things, and I, I celebrate with the Myers. My, what a blessed family they are. And all these young people up here leading this work, I think we ought to give them a hand. Man, they do an excellent, excellent job. And uh, if I tried to take the time to uh, mention all of those individuals that I have come in contact over the years at the parish church, it would take up a little while. And I'd get, you know, I'm at that dangerous age. At my age, you can get sidetracked and chase rabbits. Amen. And uh, I, I remember going to a few places and I thought, if I ever get that old, I'm not doing that. Well, I'm that old and I hope I'm not doing it today. <laughs> Brother Will Hoyt, my good friend, many, many years ago, came to my father-in-law's church about 1980. Sister McGuire and I uh, were moving to East Texas to a little town I didn't even know existed. And uh, we just retired from there last year. But we went there 42, almost 43 years ago. And the Will Hoyts stepped in just as we were leaving. Man, it was an answer to prayer. Sister McGuire played the organ. His wife played the organ and the piano. And they just stepped in there and it helped ease the pain for her father. <laughs> or at least I thought it did. I felt a little less guilty taking his daughter away. But we've been married now for 50, almost, uh, let me just do some quick math here. Uh, I think for about 50, 54. Man, going on 54 in June. We've been married 53. We're going on 54 in June. And uh, thank you. Praise the Lord. And so, boy, that went quick, too, I'll tell you. I thought as I was listening to these young people sing, and I'm fixing to chase a rabbit here, so I'm 71 years old, so I got permission. But uh, I thought as I was watching all these young people sing, I remember when I was the ripe age of 15 in 1966, amen, we had moved to the Dallas area, but we came back with a trio, and we got to sing in the parish church, 1966, a little trio there, a little bit of history. Well, I'm going to sing a little song. I, uh, I'm not going to try to bore you very long. But uh, one I didn't write, but if I thought of it, I would have. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that bought my liberty. I do not know just how he came to love me so. He must have looked beyond all my fall and saw my need I shall for him 
of scripture from Job chapter 19 and uh, I normally get out at 1130 so I don't know what time you guys get out at but I can see that wouldn't make any of you too disappointed praise the Lord amen we can beat the Methodist to the cafeteria <laughs> praise the Lord but I do want to say some things today I trust and hope will be of a strength and blessing to you as a church I'm not here to waste your time. You could be doing a lot of other things besides being here. But we're here because it is our heart to be here. This is our life. And so I want to say something that will help you as you face the challenges of the coming week. And many of you are already in the midst of things that you are trying to decide which direction to go. It's a dilemma of sorts. But I've found that God in his own unique way is so manifold given to disperse his wisdom in so many ways to so many people on one subject that I believe with all my heart everybody can take home something. Praise the Lord. So I'm reading Job chapter 19 verse 26 through 27. And of course most of us are acquainted with Job. We know where he was. We know what he was going through. He had lost everything. I've never lost everything. I know what loss is about. I've been there. I've experienced that in measure. But I thought of the words of Job here in this particular context. A man that knows what the bottom looks like. He knows what the top looks like. He knows what victory looks like. He knows what it is to have your steps washed with butter and so on. But he also knew what it was to lose it all. And he said this in his moment of despair physically, financially, and socially. And though after the skin worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. The word for reins there in the Old Testament just simply means, though I lose my mind, 
I can no longer think cognitively. I can no longer carry on a conversation. I've lost my ability physically even to communicate with others. I've already settled some things. I've already settled some things. So regardless of what happens in the future to me, I want you to know this one thing. I have settled this. Someday I'm going to see my Lord. I've settled that. My mind may go, my flesh may go, but I have settled some things. Someday I'm going to see Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise and thank him for his word. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Oh, how wonderful is your word. How wonderful is your presence in this building this morning. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. I was reading a news bulletin the other day, and it spiked my interest somewhat, and so I spent some time following the research of some doctors that have been studying the heart for quite a long time. Matter of fact, for about 50 years, their particular institution has delved into the secrets of the heart of men and women. And along with the help of some other engineers who were involved in uh, certain aspects of mechanical thinking, however, they had the resources of a 3D imaging resource. And they teamed up with these doctors who were studying the heart. The computer, and it is amazing in the age of technology that we live, but the AI, the artificial intelligence, of course, also uh, lending its help, they were able to put the heart of a man or a woman in a 3D imaging and turn it and you could look at every part of that heart. The unique thing about it was also is that it gave different colors relative to certain tissues that were in that heart and certain things that were different about that heart. And so there are multiple colors in this 3D imaging uh, that caught the attention of these research uh, researchers and so they saw an area that they had never seen before. They're right about the center of the heart. And as they began to look at it, they realized that there were neurological cells that were there in the very center of that heart. I don't know how they count them, but they came up with an estimate of around 40 to 50, some say 1,000 more, 40 or 50,000 neurological cells that were located in the heart. The doctors referred to it, or the research scientists referred to it as the little brain. They said it was an intrinsic cardiac nervous system located there even inside the heart. And that these neurons, so like the brain, meaning that the heart has actually its own nervous system. It can feel, it can sense things. You can research the web on this if you care to after this service today and look under just the little brain and you can read some of the things that I read. That's where I got this information. But while the neurons that are in the heart do not operate as our brain, they have the ability to alert the brain to certain emotional changes that take place in our life. A lot of times I know you have experienced as well as I sometimes to see something and have a skip of the heartbeat. <laughs> Just involuntarily, it just takes place. Some things heighten your heart, and it begins to race. Young men, when you see that wonderful, beautiful face of who you wish to someday say, I do. While we have used the expression the heart many times in the Bible, I think it is used a lot of times in more of a metaphorical sense. 
I remember just recently as I was receiving a valentine from my little daughter. She is now, I think, I better be careful here. She may see this. But I think she's around 50 maybe, somewhere around there. And she's my youngest daughter. But she sent me a valentine with a little rabbit on it, big hearts. Heart has always been something that is more metaphorical. And when we think of it in the word of the Lord, we think many times of the brain when he said concerning the mind. Paul said one time, he said, with my mind, I serve the law of God. So we think about our mind as being our heart. But now doctors tell us there is a mind, there is a brain. And it's right where God said it was a long time ago. It's in the heart. It's not as large as this brain. They call it the smaller brain. Nevertheless, they said you know, the unique thing about this brain is that it is, talks more to this brain than this brain talks to it. And a lot of times it identifies more so with relationships and empathy and love and expressions of warmth and concern for others. It originates really in our heart. Oh, I think of the words of David one time when he said, Thy word have I hid. In my heart that I might not sin against thee. Lord God, it's not just coming from my head. Amen, it's coming from my heart. I, I thought recently, I went to a nursing home. My dad was there for a short while. My dad is 92 years of age. He was born in this area. Dad was born in Clarksville, Texas, our little big metropolitan area off the side of it there called Bagwell. And uh, my dad was born there. But nevertheless, my dad came from this area. My dad's 92 now. I went to the hospital the other day or to the nursing home to visit my dad. And, and this is all new for me, Sister Meyer. You've been there, done this, so you know all about this, you and Brother Meyer. But this is, I'm just now doing this. And so my dad's 92. I'm very well aware of the fact that I may not have my dad much longer. So I don't ever drive by his house that I don't look and wave. And I go there just about every other day and sit down and talk. But he was at, dad had had a few strokes and uh, he was not able to think coherently a lot and he a lot of times would get days and places mixed up and sometimes you forget how many kids he had, believe it or not. One time he looked at my mother and said, are you the woman I married? <laughs> well, mother lost her pity for him right there. I think she was about to spank him. She said, Douglas, I am your wife. <laughs> I don't know if he was doing it to be mean or what, but uh, just funny. But I went into the nursing home the other day and dad was there for a short spell. As I came in, dad was sitting in his room, you know, and he's all alone in there. One guy's there that's not really there. And dad's sitting over there at a, at a chair with a little table. And, and I walked over there and I said, hello, dad. He said, come on over, son. Good to see you. And, and then he got to talking about something 50 years ago. And then he got that mixed up with something that happened yesterday. And, and then he got to, told me one time, he said, watch that guy right there. He said, keep an eye on him. He's got a gun. And then I realized he was getting the guy on the TV mixed up with the guy in the hall. And I said, thank God, amen. <laughs> he hadn't got a gun. I'm simply saying that, you know, you're just at that place. And there's sort of a mixed feelings when you get there. You know, you, you love your parents and you hurt for them because you realize it's not the person you, you've known in the past. And about that time, the nurse brought in a tray of food. And she set it in front of my dad. And my dad, uh, he, uh, he, I said, well, Dad, they brought you something to eat. And Dad looked at it, and it was almost just instant. Dad's head went down. 
And all of a sudden, the delirium and the absence of thought and the inability to be coherent, it suddenly left. And he said, Lord of heaven, I want to thank you today for this food, for keeping your hand upon me and upon my family. I ask God that you bless it to my body in the name of Jesus Christ. And I suddenly realized it wasn't coming from his head. It was coming from his heart. I would hope and pray today that in the few short moments that I have to stand before you that I can somehow help every one of us to connect to God in a special way in the few moments that we have. I want you to know that I can say as David, O Lord, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I remember Brother Tenney one time speaking of the former superintendent, and his name escapes me, Brother Meyer, right now. You remember him prior to Brother Tenney's administration. And Brother Tenney said, I went to the hospital, and he said, I remember I walked in there to pray for him. It was during the time when they had these, uh, these oxygen tents. They would drop them over people, you know, instead of having the hose thing. And, and so he said, I went in there to pray with my former superintendent. And he said, as I walked in there, the nurse quickly told me, she said, I just want you to know he's delirious. He doesn't really know where he's at and, and all of that. So don't be, don't be surprised what he does. Brother Tenney said, I walked up to the oxygen tent. And he said, I just sort of slipped my hand under it. I laid my hand on his head. And he said, I said one word, Jesus he said immediately he started talking in tongues. She said, oh, he's out of his mind. He said, oh, no, he's quite well. <laughs> Seems as though my dad, in a split second, he was just plugged into something else. I've come to tell you today that there is that secret heart. The enemy of your soul would like to find the combination to that heart. He'd like to break in if he could. He'd like to destroy. He'd like to plunder. Amen. I think of the words of the writer when he said, This treasure have we in earthen vessels. He said that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Amen. Amen. I want you to know, as I've said before to my church, it was he that brought me up out of a horrible pit. It was he that set my feet upon a rock. It was he that established my goings. I didn't climb out. I didn't figure my way out. I didn't get smart and work my way out. I was lost and undone. And then Jesus came and Jesus just picked me up. I have nothing to brag about outside of Jesus Christ. He is my life. He is my everything. I stand here, my friend, before you as a spiritual pauper outside of the beautiful treasures and jewels of the presence of God that he has poured down in my soul. <laughs> oh, hallelujah to God. I don't know about you, but every now and then I get plugged in real good right here. I know what it is to preach with head knowledge, but I'll tell you what this world needs. This world doesn't need just a head preacher. This world needs a heart preacher. This world needs a heart message. This world needs something that will connect them to the secret place. Hallelujah. I, uh, I know you do follow news articles from time to time, and, and I've always been amazed at air flight and planes. And, and on a plane, there are so many computers, so many great big 
gigantic computers that measure and uh, talk to the pilot and enable him to do his job well. But there's one little place in that plane called the box. And it's built indestructible. And no matter what happens to that plane, it can be monitored at any time. If it falls 30, 40,000 feet to the ground and it crashes and it burns to a cinder, there's still something they can find that will tell the truth. And it will tell you what the intent of the pilot was. He might have been twisting and turning and watching the smoke fly out of the engines, but there was a little special place that knew what his intent was, and that was to save every soul that was on that plane and to do his best to see that it glided to, to some place where men and women could be spared. I come to you this morning to tell you that there is a secret heart that there is a place inside of you that you can settle once and for all. Amen. And I don't care what the neighbor says or your friends will say, but you and God have got a connection here this morning and you've settled some things in your spirit. I don't know what the future holds for you, but I can tell you if you plummet in embers and flames and nothing but smoke is coming out and the whole world thinks you've lost it all, I'm here to tell you there's a secret place. I said there's a secret place place. There's a little box somewhere. The Bible said, oh, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even dividing asunder soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent and the intent of the heart. I've come to tell you I'm in the house of God because I intend to go to heaven. I'm singing these songs this morning because I intend to go to heaven. I'm magnifying the name of Jesus Christ because I intend to go to heaven. And there's some things that are just indestructible. Age cannot take it away. Health cannot take it away. Financial disaster cannot take it away. I know what it is to be broke. I know what it is to be financially destroyed. I know what it is to be two months from losing everything that you've got and have nothing but an altar to go to. But I preach to you this morning, hallelujah, I settled some things a long time ago. Hallelujah. And Jesus told me, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always, even to the end. It's the intent of my heart. I'm like David when he said my heart. Psalms 57 and 7, he said my heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. Hey man, I'm not giving up. I think I'll just sing, he said. I think I'll give some praise to God. Like apostles chained to the walls of an inner praetorium prison, stripes on their back. Uh, somebody said, how about quitting? They said, no, why don't we just sing? Why don't we just sing? I'm preaching to some man, woman, boy, or girl. Uh, amen, not only for this week, but maybe in the weeks to come uh, to tell you there's a special place and a connection that you've got with God uh, that is indestructible. Uh, and if you'll make up your mind that you're gonna nail some things down uh, and you're gonna purpose in your heart uh, that no weapon that's formed against us shall prosper uh, and every tongue that shall rise up against us in judgment, uh, my God shall condemn, uh, then you're in a safe 
place this morning and you can settle some things between you and Jesus Christ. You're going to heaven. I said you've made up your mind. You're going to heaven and hell can't stop you. I said hell can't stop you. I said hell can't stop you. You've settled some things in your spirit. The writer said also, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed. (laughs) He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Did you hear this? Did you know this failed? Did you know that one's backslid? Did you know this one quit? Do you know this one's washing their hands of their relationship with God? Amen. They're not going to be afraid. They're not going to be unsettled by evil tidings. I'll tell you why. He said because his heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord. Somebody said why are you still living for God after just about 50 or 60 years? I'll tell you why. Because I'm connected to something I don't ever be separated from. It has kept me. It has strengthened me. It has held me. And it still holds me this morning hallelujah I think of 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 6 one of our great heroes of the Bible David just a little background and I possibly have shared this before but it's one of my favorites the Bible said that David was now an outsider from Israel ostracized from his own country he was the enemy of King Saul He has been taken in by his arch enemy, the Philistines. They give him a little place to live over here called Ziklag. That's where he's staying. And he's got his family there and his mighty men and their wives and children. One day they leave the city to go try to help out the Philistines and I suppose pay his dues uh, for being allowed to live there during this interim. And the scripture said that while they were gone, it said I think the Midianites came in and uh, they destroyed the city, took everything David had. And his men, when they returned, the Bible said they looked at David and said, it's your fault. If we had not been following you, we would not have lost our families. And so they're very disturbed. They're very angry. In fact, the Bible said, and David was greatly distressed in verse 6, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, Every man for his sons and daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Every now and then you got to do that. I tell our people, if you can't have church by yourself, then you're probably not having church yet. I've had many a good service in the front seat of my car. Most all the songs I ever wrote, I wrote them in a car before cell phones. I just get in there and have church down the highway. I preach some of my best messages just by myself. I asked the crowd, they all agreed. The Bible said he encouraged himself. The word encouraged there is Kazak, which is a Hebrew word that simply means then David fastened himself to God. Then David tied himself to God when all your friends turn against you 
and you're on the bottom and you don't have anything. And even the people that used to be your friends now are against you. The devil would say, now this is a time to quit. This is a time to throw in the towel. But the scripture says, then David just encouraged himself. The original said, and then David tied himself to God. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I do know if I'm tied to him, it's going to be okay. So it's going to be okay. I feel like somebody in this building today just received a word from the Lord. Somebody in this crowd just received a word from the Lord. What are you going to do? The writer said, I think I'll just sing praises unto the Lord. I think I'll just encourage myself in the Lord. I think I'll just fasten. The original says, I think I'll just fasten myself to God. Hallelujah. I will fasten. I'm talking to someone here this morning, and I know that it, looking at things all around you, it appears as though defeat is imminent in your life. But I come to tell you, victory is only a matter of tying yourself to God. I've got a secret connection. I've got a connection with God. Hallelujah. The Bible said, as I quoted a while ago, the word of the Lord is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I believe there is an indestructible intention, a true heart connection that results in indestructible intention. Why do you say that, Brother McGuire? Because Job said in 13 and 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And not only that, he said, I'll just maintain my walk with God. Things may not be changing out here, but I'm going to get up tomorrow morning and I've already talked to myself. I'm going to get up and pray like I've always prayed. I'm going to go to the house of God like I always went. I'm going to pay my tithe like I always paid it. And I know things out here look bad, but I'm just going to maintain my ways before the Lord. Hallelujah, I decided to attach myself. I decided to connect myself with something a long time ago that made up my mind and said, hey, come whatever, I'm gonna live for Jesus Christ with everything that's on the inside of me. Can someone say praise the Lord? Hallelujah, what a trust, what a trust, what a trust. I thought of a friend of mine, he pastors a church and I could be a little more descriptive and some of you possibly would know him. I've known him since he was just a young boy coming out of the Vietnam War many years ago. And he poured his life into a church, built a beautiful church. And one afternoon while he was exercising, he had a stroke. It was all really, really shattering to me. I don't understand it to this day. I know God has everything planned. But he went from a very intelligent, bright gentleman. And uh, he worked for a defense company and did well there. And then he poured his money into that church. And then here he is ready to enjoy the fruit of his labors. And he has an extreme aneurysm or stroke in his exercise room and collapses on the floor. He went from a very intelligent, bright young man to a young man that has the mentality of about a 14-year-old boy. 
And when you go to see him, you're possibly embarrassed for him, knowing where he came from. And you try to talk to him, and he's, he's rambles everywhere. And at times, he's just jumping and running and like a kid here and there, laughing. and doesn't make any sense. But if you take a Bible and you just lay it in his hands, something clicks. His visage changes and he starts quoting scripture and then he starts preaching like nothing's ever happened. Somewhere there's a connection. He was down the hall one day and now he was just carrying on and all of a sudden somebody started singing Amazing grace How sweet the sound And he picked up on it That saved a wretch like me And all of a sudden from a mind that was falling apart He became suddenly a man that was very coherent And knew exactly where he was And what he was dealing with He's connected to that secret, that secret heart. When I was a child growing up, there was a few toys I really wanted, and Mom and Dad couldn't afford them at the time. One of them was a slinky. But I've got one today. It's in my office. This other one I wanted is not in my office. It's Bozo the Clown. <laughs> you could just hit old Bozo right in the mouth. Bam, he'd hit the ground and he'd pop right back up. Pow. I remember as a little kid, I thought, man, I'd love to have a Bozo. I'd see other kids with Bozos. I wanted Bozo the Clown. <laughs> the thing I really liked about Bozo is he just wouldn't stay down. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, when I fall. It's not a matter of if I fall, it's just when I fall. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, when I fall. I'm connected to something bigger than myself and I'm just gonna pop right back up on my feet and I'm just gonna keep trusting him and worshiping God and loving God and magnifying God because God and I have got a heart connection. Cup your hands unto the Lord and thank him for that kind of connection in your life. I, coming, winding down here. I was reading the other day of a gentleman that had an experience in his life in Mark chapter 1 verse 40. And it was a leper that the Lord had cleansed. He said, I know if thou wouldst, thou canst make me clean in Mark chapter 1. And the Lord just said, well, be thou clean. And the Bible said immediately he was clean. And I'm paraphrasing, you can read it. And the scripture said, the Lord spoke to him and said, go show yourself to the priest. And the scriptures also stated this, and this is unusual, 
because I don't remember reading this word anywhere else in the Bible. Maybe it is. Maybe I just overlooked it. But it said this, he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad. Blaze. I didn't know the word blaze was even in the Bible. I know I've read it because I've read that book. But for some reason, I don't remember the word blaze. It means a flashing flame. He began to blaze abroad. He was hot and on fire for what God had done to him. And the scripture says everywhere he went, everything he connected with, he set it on fire. Even to the point that the Bible said that Jesus could no more openly appear in public because of this man who went out and told the world what Jesus had done for him. And the reason that is so important because I want to say something to the church today and I've heard about Ashbury and some of the things that are happening with those students. I think it's a wonderful thing. I believe God is pouring out his spirit. I want to see more of it everywhere. Amen. But I want you to know and understand this. When that man left Jesus and the Lord told him two things, don't say anything about this, go show yourself to the priest. I honestly don't believe, Brother Meyer, that he did either one of those. I know he didn't do one of them for sure. Because he left there and said, man, just let me tell you what happened to me. Now hear me, young folks. He didn't go out there saying, well, <clears throat> let, me, let me get my scriptures down here. Now I believe you ought to study to show yourself approved. I spent many years just memorizing scripture, whole books at time in the word of God, just so I could be able to debate others and prove to them that I was right. <laughs> be honest with you, I never won one person in a debate. But I touched a whole lot of folks because of a personal relationship I've got with Jesus Christ. <laughs> he went out telling people what Jesus had done for him. Everybody in this building's got a story. You've got a PhD and testimonial. You don't necessarily need to parrot a scripture or something somebody else said. You just need to go out these doors right here and you go tell somebody, I was a drug addict. I went down there to the first Pentecostal church. They prayed with me and God delivered me from drugs and my life is clean and I'm giving Jesus the praise for it. That's all you need to say. Amen. I was a drunkard and he saved me. I was a harlot and he delivered me. I was broken down, but God put me back together. That's all you gotta say. Nothing else is required. And it will come to the place that you can't get through these doors to get to the body of Christ because there's a hurting world out there that just wants to know about an experience. You musicians can come on. I'm trying to wrap it up here. That's your heart. When you start preaching and talking your heart, the devil's going to get scared. Because when you're connected with that secret heart, when that love and that emotion begins to show, people know it's real. If you switch a channel on them and you jump over to some doctrinal something or another that some hair you want to split, amen, and confront them on and show that you're more intelligent than they are, you're going to lose them. They're not interested in anything you've got to say until they know how much you care. And they're going to know how much you care first. 
The reason I'm in church, I was 14 years old, standing on the back pew. My family had been in church all their life, but I determined in my own spirit I wasn't going that way. I was enjoying what I was doing. Had an opportunity to play in a band and to sing at the dance. Amen. And that was more of a big deal to me. But I came in one night and stood right back there. And an old pastor walked back there night after night of that revival and laid his hand on my shoulder and he said, Mike, would you like to pray? I just shook my head, no. And then one night, something hit me right in the heart. I was standing back there shaking and I was holding on to that pew and I was trying to look cool. You know, I had my pointed toe shoes on, my white socks, my fitted jeans, you know, my paisley shirt. I didn't want the girls to see anything in me but macho, cool. But something happened to my heart. And when it happened to my heart, I really didn't care what anybody thought he came back that last night and he said well Mike and he just walked by the pew he never even touched me I just got out of that pew I walked right down that aisle right there I got about right here I throwed my hands up and that young boy 14 years 15 years of age amen started speaking in a heavenly language it came straight out of heaven down inside my soul amen that happened amen about 1965 and I'm still today with him I made up my mind I'm going to stay with him all the way praise God I fastened myself to God it's a heart connection folks I said it's a heart connection it hadn't got anything to do with all the intelligence and all the degrees and all the fame and everything else what it is it's a heart connection and when something connects with your heart my friend it's solid it's secure there's nothing amen that can cause you to deviate from the calling that God has placed on your life and he's called a host of people that's in this building today to step up to a higher level because that's where the heart is calling you it's calling you to another level something that is indestructible something that poverty and sickness and death cannot destroy God is connecting with you this morning let's stand and lift our hands unto the Lord as the singers sing hallelujah let's open in prayer to him Why don't we as a church just step out of our pews and let our hearts talk again? Let's walk around the front of this building with our hands lifted. I believe God's pulling on some hearts this morning. I believe there's some indestructible, indestructable intent, amen, of consecration and commitment that God is establishing within the secret of hearts this morning. Oh, God, we surrender. We surrender. It's me, God, that you're talking to. It's me, God. It's me. It's me, God, that you want to say, I surrender my heart. Come on, my friend. Visitor, saint of God, whoever you might be, surrender your heart as these singers sing. And let's open our hearts to the Lord. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. 
to pray just for a, one minute over the person that you have felt in your heart that God has connected you with to help strengthen. And I just am amazed at the beauty and the flow that you have prayed into place for moments like this. There is just no way that humanity can connect with what we have just heard today. A spiritual, powerful endowment, I guess is the best word right now for me. So would you just take a minute and pray for that person that is in your heart. We all have a bunch of people, but there's just something about somebody. Maybe somebody already that's in the kingdom, but they're in your heart. Would you just sing that one more time as we pray just for a minute? 